break open the scriptures and try to speak something into somebody's life. You know, you can do a whole lot of construction from here or a whole lot of destruction. Amen? Amen. So it still gets me a little bit nervous. I still get a little anxious over it. Amen. But we'll get through it. Praise the Lord. Genesis chapter 25. Turn there with me if you would. But it is definitely warmer on this platform. I was walking around out there and I thought it, I expected it to be hot in the church. Amen. I thought it felt fine when I was walking around. There's something about being another two or three feet uh, up in the air. Praise the Lord. Genesis chapter 25, beginning with verse 27. Amen. I'm going to talk to you tonight. I'll tell you, I'm going to be, I'm going to be transparent with you. I usually am. I'm usually pretty honest with you and, and uh, let you know what's going on. I had about 10 pages of notes prepared for tonight, and everybody that thinks that I'm long-winded says, oh, my, because my average is about five pages of notes, amen. And, uh, but I, I was going to go through the Beatitudes and finish our lesson, amen. We had done earlier in 2016, we had done the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit, and the Beatitudes go right along with all of that, and I was going to, you know, kind of put a cap on that and finish that up, amen. But at 11.30 last night, I felt the Lord speaking to me on this subject, amen, disappointed but not dead, amen. And I'll tell you exactly what, you know, I don't always do this. Preachers don't always do this. They like to try to catch you at the end. I feel like the Lord wants to heal some ministries in this church, amen, wants to heal some folks that have once maybe felt a call or a gift, amen, or something to do uh, in the kingdom of God, which should be every one of us. Every one of us have something that we ought to be doing in the kingdom of God, amen, and uh, sometimes we get, uh, we suffer some disappointments or some discouragements, and we give up, amen, or we stall out, or whatever the case may be. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak to you tonight. I believe that's what the Lord wants to do. Talking to pastor today, he began to share with me without knowing, amen, what each other was preaching, amen, and you are going to get uh, lesson two and lesson three on Sunday morning and Sunday night, amen. That's the way God works, and that's the way that he should work. I'm Brother uh, Buford's assistant, and uh, I should be an extension of what he is trying to do in this church. Can I get an amen of that? I should be on the same page as Brother Buford, amen, and I should be doing uh, walking in step with him, amen. Genesis chapter 25, beginning with verse 27. So the boys grew, and Esau was a skillful hunter, say skillful, a man of the field, but Jacob was a mild man dwelling in tents, and Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Now Jacob cooked a stew, and Esau came in from the field, and he was weary. And Esau said to Jacob, Please feed me with that same red stew, for I am weary. Therefore his name was called Edom. But Jacob said, Sell me your birthright as of this day. And Esau said, Look, I'm about to die, so what is this birthright to me? What's it worth to me at this point if I die? Then Jacob said, Swear to me of this day. And so he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils. Then he ate and drank, arose, and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we love you tonight, God. We're so thankful for your presence and your spirit and your word. And Lord Jesus, your people that are here and your faithfulness, God, to us. We ask you, Lord. That you would speak to our hearts and minds and draw us closer to you tonight by your word and by your spirit in Jesus' name. And everybody said in Jesus' name. I want you to look at this uh, portion of scripture and I'm going to go through a few things tonight. And I'm going to talk about some of these things a little bit differently than I have ever talked about them before. A little bit differently than I have ever heard them 
talked about. Uh, certainly not with Jacob and Esau. That story is pretty cut and dry, but a couple that are to come, amen. But in this one, there are some things that we can point at and that we can look at, and I'll bring this around in the end, amen. But one thing that we can notice right off the bat is that the Word of God is telling us that Esau was a skillful hunter, that Esau was good at what he did. He was successful. Whenever he went out, amen, more times than not, uh, he came back with something to show for it, amen. Uh, You don't get to go, Brother Kozart, you don't get to bring something back every time, amen, otherwise they would just call it getting instead of hunting and fishing, amen. They would just call you're going out and getting some groceries out of the woods, but that's just not how it works. But Esau was good at it. Esau was skillful. The Bible points that out and says, you know, there's something uh, about Esau. Esau had a purpose, or uh, it, I'm, I'm reluctant to say that he had a calling, but, you know, a lot of times when we're good at something in this life, folks will label that and say, well, that's my calling. You know, I, I, I'm naturally good at that. I have done what it takes to get good at that. I'm successful at it, and that's just kind of my calling in life, if you'll allow me uh, maybe to use it like that. Because sometimes we say calling and we start thinking, You know, that's God calling us and designing us. But maybe that was Esau's calling in life. That's what he was supposed to do. He was a provider. He was a hunter, a gatherer. And Jacob, a man, was not a man. He was known for that. And in fact, we understand that it was Isaac that loved Esau because he liked to eat Esau's game. Amen. So we can probably deduct from that that he was not only a good hunter, but he was pretty good at preparing it. He was pretty all right at putting things together and getting a meal together because it seemed like Isaac, uh, uh, his dad, really looked forward to getting some of, of, of Esau's game. Can I get an amen? So Esau is comes stumbling, and I say stumbling because that's the word that is used in in the Bible, amen. I know that it says that he's weary, but if you look that up in the original text, amen, you'll find that it means uh, languid, or it means literally that he was was faint, he was famished, he was, how many's ever been, uh, now, most of the diabetics that, that deal with low blood sugar will understand what, what it means. But how many has ever worked really hard in a day, really physical, where you sweat a lot, you, 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 were, you were lifting things, you were moving things, and you were so busy that you forgot to eat, and you just kind of got to that point where you just were out of gas? Anybody? I mean, you, you, you sat down. The arms were down. I've been here and done this where I'm sitting there looking at the refrigerator. No, I need to get up and get something to eat, but I just, I'm, I'm dead. I'm tired. I don't feel like getting up. Amen. I, I, want, I want Sister Sharon to bring me something to eat. Amen. And she does sometimes. Sometimes she takes care of me. That's all right. But we've all been there. We all know what it is to... To uh, bottom out, if you will, to get in a point where, uh, you know, I, I, I almost wonder if some of it was psychological where Esau had hunted and hunted and hunted and knew that his dad wanted a meal and knew that uh, maybe he put a lot of pressure on himself about gathering something and I got to bring something back for dad and and here he comes dragging into camp empty handed and there was just something about his physical body and his mind and his spirit and everything was deflated and defeated and drained and wore out and bottomed out and can I say just out of gas. Amen. That was Esau. He come dragging in there and 
He says to Jacob, he says, uh, uh, I'm weary and I'm faint. Give me some of that red stew, amen. And scripture quickly tells us that they called him Edom because of the red. And that's what Edom means is red. And many people will tell you that that is because Esau's complexion was red. And, and that's okay. But, uh, uh, and that's probably partially true. But there's, uh, there's a, a significance to the fact that he was talking about give me some of that red stew. And it was in that moment that scripture tells us they called him Edom. In fact, they named his des- descendants weren't the Esauites. They were the Edomites, amen. They everybody remembered, amen. And that's this is why, because in that Arab culture, in that Middle Eastern culture, they they took events and moments of significance. And a lot of times that's why they named their children what they named them, or they named uh, amen places what they would name them. How many remember uh, when Jacob was uh, was out in the wilderness and he laid his head on a rock and he said, I'm gonna call this place Peniel because I have come face to face with God, amen. It, it, they give significance to events and circumstances. That's just part of their culture. And that's why they named Esau Edom because there's something significant about this moment that Esau is in, amen. And they called him Edom. And, they, uh, and it was because there was a circumstance that he was in that now Esau is going to be remembered for. He's going to be remembered for the moment that he came dragging into camp, unsuccessful, weary and tired, and worn out and spent and out of gas. And in that moment, he lived for instantaneous satisfaction. And he thought, if I don't, if I don't get a bite of that red stew, I'm going to die anyway. So what good is this birthright to me? He was invested wholeheartedly in the moment, praise God. And Jacob, amen, whether you like his tactics or you don't, praise the Lord, he was investing in the future. And he was investing in where he would eventually be, amen. And Jacob's name, because of the way that he was, meant supplanter and trickster and, and because of the kinds of things that he did, amen. And that's why we find their names are significant in the way that they are, praise God. So because of this, his descendants are called Edomites. So forever, down through time and, and generations, amen, there's going to be a constant remembrance of this moment, praise the Lord. In fact, if you would, if you have your, your devices or your Bibles ready, you can read this with me. Otherwise, just listen. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 16 and 17. Listen to how this is said. And keep in mind, there's scripture later on that says, Jacob he loved. We're talking about God, his assessment. Jacob he loved, and Esau he hated. You know, we like to think God loves everybody, and he's not a respecter of persons, and, and he does, and he isn't, amen. And, and that's, that's true, and that is the truth. But there's an attitude that God hates. There's a, there's a personality that God doesn't like. And what, he was, what, what that means here is he loved the fact that Jacob was willing to do whatever it takes to ensure that his future was going to be successful. But what God hates is that one that's really to, willing to sacrifice anything and everything for a moment's satisfaction. Can I get an amen? Hebrews 12 describes it like this. It's the, the one mention of, of, of Esau. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. He found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. Think about that. 
Though Esau sought it carefully with tears. Let me tell you what that means. It doesn't mean that necessarily that God just put up a stop sign and said, this is the one strike, you're out. You only get one Esau. This is only one time. What that means is Esau went through the, the entirety of his life because even his descendants had to wear that, that name and remember that moment and that circumstance, amen. What that means is Esau went through the rest of his life constantly thinking about and remembering and regretting and being disappointed and discouraged by that one moment in his life where he traded and sacrificed everything for that satisfaction in the now. Amen? We, uh, amen, uh, as Christians in, in our life in particular, praise God, and in our experiences as leaders, we have got to be careful, amen, that we, uh, uh, we don't allow ourselves to get weary in well-doing, amen, that we don't allow ourselves to get spent and out of gas and discouraged and disappointment. Because let me tell you, whether you're, whether you're a preacher behind this pulpit or you have any other type of leadership in this church or you teach by Bible studies or you sweep the floors or you take up the offering it doesn't matter what you do in the kingdom of God there are going to be moments when you're going to be disappointed there are going to be moments when you're not going to be successful there are going to be moments that you're going to question why you're doing and what you're doing and when you're doing and where you're doing those moments are going to come I've got to I've got to warn you here today and I've got to amen encourage you as well that you may find your times in those moments where you are disappointed but I wish some Somebody could have told Esau, yeah, you're hungry and you're spent and you're tired, but Esau, you're not going to die. You can wait. You can, you can wait till the meal is done. You don't have to sell your birthright for the right now. You don't have to sell, amen, and sacrifice your future for this moment right here. I wish that somebody would have been there for him like I am for you and like folks have been there for me to say, just hang on for another day. Just press on for another hour. This is this uh, a weeping may endure for a night but joy cometh in the morning you'll live for another day you'll 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 have success in another hour amen just hang on you may be disappointed you may be discouraged you may be down but you are not out can I get an amen that there is an importance that every one of us serves. And I wish that somehow we could get across to everybody that you are not just filling a spot on a chair. Amen. When you are a child of God, when you are filled with his precious Holy Ghost. Amen. Uh, didn't Brother Littles do an awesome job Sunday night? And he let us know that we are ambassadors for Christ. Isn't that an awesome thing? Wasn't that an awesome thing that he enlightened us to? Amen. That we've probably heard a hundred times but there was just something about that service amen that it seemed like it grabbed our attention just a little bit more I know there are folks that have been testifying about it since it happened amen and they've been trying praise the Lord every time they go around the corner they've been trying to be a good witness can I tell you if you are in the kingdom of God you are a leader amen you are an ambassador for Christ you are a representative not just of this church but of heaven amen and his glory praise God 
God. You are beautifully and wonderfully made. Amen. The Bible tells us everywhere that we go, when we have his presence in us, we are a representative of him. We are a leader in this world, even though they may look down on us, even though they may look at us, praise God, as, as if we are a lower life form than them. The folks in this world, they may think that we're unintelligent, that we don't know what we're doing, that we're just emotional. I'm here to tell you, you are a leader. You are a light, praise God. You are a beacon of light in a dark world. You are a representative of Jesus Christ himself. So that's what I'm here to tell you. If, you're, if you don't have a position or a title or somebody doesn't call your name or put the spotlight on you in this church, I'm here to tell you, you're still a leader, praise God, in the kingdom of God. You're still a representative. You're still an ambassador. You're still, amen, showing somebody how to come out of darkness into his marvelous light. You are a representative of the light. I get an amen. Amen. You're an example. You are a leader. Amen. You are going to lead someone. Even the young people, praise God. Some of these, uh, uh, I, I probably shouldn't embarrass Grant. I shouldn't do that. But some of these, some of these uh, little girls that are six, seven, eight years old, they, they really look up to these kids that are uh, uh, teenagers in this youth group. Even the 12 and 13 and 14. Brother Cozart, your middle school class. The kids in that class are leaders to the kids that are underclassmen to them. Amen? Our young people, the hyphen group, it, you, may, you may feel insignificant. Maybe you feel like you're not important. I'm here to tell you tonight, you're a leader to excel. I wish I could get an amen. I got the youth pastor nodding at me. You're leaders, praise God. Some, some of the folks that are in their, their late 20s, their early 30s, you're leading somebody. Somebody's looking into you. Somebody's looking at you, amen. I look to my elders that are above me. I watch them. I get encouraged, amen, when somebody says, I've been in the church 50 and 60 and 70 years. I get encouraged when somebody says, I've been married 40 and 50 and 60 years. I get encouraged when somebody says, I've got three and four children and they're all still in the church. I get encouraged when my elder says, I'm a six and 7th or 8th generation Pentecostal, amen, that encourages me that I can make it. I don't care. Uh, it doesn't matter if they have a, a, a title or a position or a name. They're leading me, praise God. And they're leaders, hallelujah. Amen. 1 Corinthians says it like this. For as the body is one and hath many members and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we are all baptized into one body. Say thank you Jesus. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bound or free, have been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but it is many. Amen. The hardest thing I've probably ever done. I'm just going to I'm going to break it to you. Brother Justin's not a drywaller and I'm not a mechanic. That went over well. That went over like Wednesday night. Probably the hardest thing I've ever done on a car, mechanic-wise, was I replaced a U-joint one time. That's a pretty big deal. I'm not even going to tell you what it does. because Don't know. Don't know. Really don't. But I bought a car for a few hundred bucks whenever I was first 16, 17 years old. And the guy that I bought it from told me it had some problems. And he said, I'll still sell it to you for the few hundred dollars. If you'll go buy the parts, I'll crawl underneath the car. That's pretty good, isn't it? That's pretty nice. 
pretty nice for some old guy in a neighborhood to say, I'll crawl underneath a car with a 16, 17-year-old and show him how to do something. That's pretty good. But that car doesn't just run on a U-joint. The car doesn't just run on a battery. The car doesn't just run because it has a gas tank. There are many parts and pieces that make your vehicle run. Just start missing one of them, and you'll understand what I mean. Can I get an amen? Let's just take one of your wheels off. It's just a wheel. Let's just remove one of the battery cables. It's just one cable. Let's just take out one of the spark plugs. See, I'm getting all mechanical on you now. I feel, I feel good about myself right now. I must be under the anointing. Many parts. This church is made of many parts. That U-joint is greasy and disgusting and dirty, and it's hidden, and you got to take all kinds of stuff off to get it out, and then it's covered in, in lube. See, now I'm getting technical. But if you try to do without it, Brother Neely, you're not going to get very far, are you, without that U-joint? There are members of this church and parts and pieces of this church that maybe you feel insignificant or hidden, or maybe you don't feel like you're all cleaned up and, and, and shined up and, and you're, the, you're the pretty shiny part of the car, amen, but you are significant. We can't do without you. We got to have you. We need your contribution, amen. And I'm not talking about financially. We need your prayers. We need your amens. We need your attendance. We need your leadership. We need your example. We need your testimony. Can I get an amen? From every individual in this church, amen. We've got to have you, amen. But let me, let me warn you of this. You are going to suffer disappointments. You are going to be discouraged, amen. You are going to come up against things. I'm here to tell you today, if you'll continue to lean on God, if you'll continue to fight another day, amen, you may be disappointed, but you are not dead. You are not dying. You can make it. You can live to fight another day. Can I get an amen? Let me point out a couple of things to you, amen. It's, it's, is that really 811? I was surprised. I expected to look up and it was 23-something. Luke chapter 8. Join me if you would. I felt safer. Luke chapter 8, beginning with uh, verse 41. We're going to read 41 and 42. We're going to skip and, and go down to 49 and 50. I want to point some things out in this, in this uh, story, amen, in this uh, testimony that God has given us in the book of Luke. I want to point out a few things that I hope will encourage you. Verse 41 says, And behold... There came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue, and he fell down at Jesus' feet. Say, so he's at his feet. And besought him that he would come into his house. For he had only one daughter, about 12 years of age, and she lay dying. Say, dying. Watch this. Here's Jesus walking through, amen, the the town there, walking through the city, wherever he was at, amen. And here comes Jairus. Imagine what it would be like if one of your kids was dying, amen. Jesus is walking through town, and he hears that Jesus is walking through town, and he acknowledges that if I can get Jesus back home with me, she's got a chance. I get an amen so far. 
This man, this is the part that I didn't realize. This is not a revelation necessarily. This is a realization of mine. This man, Sister Sorrels, is at the feet of Jesus. Worshiping and crying. Saying, come home with me. My daughter is dying. She's not dead yet. That's, that's pretty key. She's not dead yet. As far as he knows, she's still alive. I just got to get him there and get her, get her better. Amen? While he's at the feet of Jesus, it says the crowd begin to throng him. And we know about the story of the woman with the issue of blood. She comes forcing her way through the crowd. She's going to be kind of insignificant in this part of the story. But she comes pushing her way through the crowd to get in and touch the hem of his garment and heal him. Imagine all of that taking place and you were the first one at his feet with a dying kid. You came to town. You arrived in the presence of the master with a purpose in mind. I wish I could get a few more Wednesday night nods. Just let me know you're here. You, you went to town with a mission and a purpose to save somebody's life. And not just somebody, but your kid. And you're at his feet. And here, while you're saying, I, I, need you to get you, I need to get you home, Jesus. Let's go. And he says, okay, well, let's, let's, let's go. Let's start heading that way. And all of a sudden, the crowd comes. And the woman with the issue of blood comes. And we don't hear anything else about Jairus in that moment. Amen. He has been pushed to the side. Ever think about that? Has anybody else ever thought about that? He, where did Jairus go during this whole deal? And this is a man standing there going, Jesus, I got a dying kid at home. Can you imagine, uh, Sister Miller, if you came running up to me and said, Mark just fell down the stairs and he's laying there motionless. And I said, okay, well, let's go check it out. And then Brother Cozart comes running up to me and says, hey, Brother Keith, I'm, I'm having some tests in about a week. You think you could uh, get the oil out and, and anoint me with oil? And, and, and then the whole crowd comes around. People start talking about what they need and what they Can you imagine if I stopped and your, your husband is laying at the bottom of those stairs or your husband or your wife or your kids is laying there motionless and as far as you know, they're dying? And I say, well, just give me a few minutes. We're going to take care of a few needs. We're going to pray for a few. But, you know, Brother Cozart's got some tests coming up. and you know, He don't really that I know of. I don't want anybody to get concerned about you, brother. You... <laughs> Can you imagine how you would feel if that happened? You think you'd be all, oh, just take your time, Jesus. Just, just take your time. I'm good. I'm good. We'll get, we'll get to my dying girl here just whenever you're ready. I don't think any of us would do that. I think we'd almost stand over there a little bit disappointed in that I thought, I thought he was on his way. I thought he was going to do his thing. I thought he was going to join me. I thought he heard me. I thought he responded to me. I mean, I was the first one at his feet. Everybody else just kind of pushed. And I kind of got tossed to the side. Anybody ever feel like you've been tossed to the side? Anybody ever been in the middle of your, your Christian walk and you thought, you know, I'm kind of forgotten and I'm by myself and nobody sees me and nobody recognizes me and maybe, maybe all those great things Jesus wanted me to do whenever I was younger, he forgot Amen. I forgot my name and forgot my address and maybe I need to throw my cell number up there or let him know what my Facebook name is. And 
where my page is at and my Insta Twitter and all those things and my gigabytes and I think he forgot. My wife says stop. Okay, it's Wednesday night. I have. I have. I remember when I was younger and had an imagination and I knew what God was going to do with me and let's charge forward and man, we're going to, you know, you got folks that come up to you and they pat you on the back and they tell you all the great things that you're going to do and all the wonderful things you're going to accomplish and you're still standing at the gate. Somebody going to ring the buzzer? (laughs) Somebody forget I was one of the horses in the trough, in the gate, in the whatever. Amen. It happens to us. Jairus is standing on the sideline now, being one of the first ones, amen, to come to Jesus. And this is, this is where we get. Verse, we come down to verse 49. Jairus has been interrupted. He's been forgotten. He's not been forgotten, but he's been set to the side. He's been put off. He's been made to wait. We don't like to wait, do we? Amen. Say no. While he yet spake, there cometh one from the ruler of the synagogue's house saying to him, Thy daughter is dead. Can I paraphrase? Thy daughter is dead. It says, trouble not the master. Thy daughter is dead. Don't bother. Think about that. This guy, ruler of the synagogue, first one at Jesus' feet, got a dying daughter, and the the crowd came came and thronged him, and the Woman with the issue of blood interrupted things, and he got pushed off to the side. And watch this. This is what happens. I'm speaking, I'm speaking to folks that have, that have felt like maybe all of the things they felt like God was calling them to do has kind of been put on hold and has kind of been put on side. Maybe you think you've been forgotten about. Maybe God doesn't know your name anymore. I'm trying to talk to you right now. I'm trying to tell some of the folks that, that had these big, grand visions of what their ministry was going to be or what their, their Christian walk was going to be, and somewhere along the line, it just didn't pan out like you thought it was going to amen now you got Jairus standing there and he not only feels like he's been set to the side he's not only feels like he's been made to wait but now he's being told don't even bother isn't that like our enemy when we get disappointed and we get discouraged or we or we get impatient or 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 you know we we run out of we run out of long suffering and we run out of patience and we run out isn't that like our enemy to come to us and put a thought in our mind or whisper in our ear and say I don't even know why you bother Don't bother anymore just give up, just throw your hands up, just go home and leave the master alone. He's busy with other folks. Uh, he's tending to other needs. Uh, he's taking care of other people. Well, look at that. Look at that guy back in the back. He's giving, He's blessing him, and he's got all the finances and the big nice house, and he's got the 500 people in his church, and he's winning. And, and he'll point things out and say, don't even bother. But watch this. Whenever he got done saying that and he said, don't bother the master, amen, she's already dead. Don't trouble him, amen. I know that you came here for a purpose. I know you, I know you, you thought you were here on a mission, amen, but you've been put off. You've been disappointed, amen. You've been told not to bother, and Jesus heard it, hallelujah. Oh, praise God. God hears the discouraging words that your enemy is whispering in your ear. He knows when your enemy and your adversary is trying to get his foot on your neck and finish you 
you off. He sees it. He hears it. He knows it. He's never left you. He's never forsaken you. He's never walked away from you. He never stopped hearing you. He never forgot about your need. He never forgot about your calling. He never forgot about your gifts. He never, uh, amen, laid aside and threw you and tossed you over into the island of misfits. Amen. He never did any of that. He's still standing there. He's still with you. He's still aware. And it says, and Jesus heard him and said, fear not, believe only, and she shall be made whole. Hallelujah. Even if you feel like you've been set aside, even if you feel like you've been disappointed, even if you feel like somehow you've been forgotten, I'm going to encourage you right now. Go back to what God promised you. Go back to what he said in his word. Go back to what he whispered in your ear when you're in those silent nights of prayer. He still hears you. He's still aware of what you need. He's still aware of what you want to do. He's still aware of where you want to be. And he's still got an anointing and a calling and a mission and a purpose for you. Can I get an amen? So, goes with him. You know the story. They get to the house. There are folks that mock him. There are folks that laugh. Amen. He puts them all out. And here is why. Now, you think she's dead, but Jesus didn't even use those words. He said, she's just, she's just asleep. So now, watch this. Now Jairus has to trust the word of God. Not the evidence. Not the witnesses. Not the words of so-called friends and family. Amen. You know, they're usually the greatest encouragers. <laughs> he said, put them all out. You got my word. She's just asleep. And he lifted her up and he made her whole. Hallelujah. I hope I'm encouraging somebody. I'm hoping I'm encouraging somebody in their walk. Amen. And I, I'm going to give you one more, one more story, and I'll, I'll get through it quick. Amen. But I hope I'm encouraging you. You can make it, man. You can do it. You're important to this church. You're important to your family. You're important to the fellowship. Amen. You're important to the faith. You're important to the kingdom. God hasn't quit hearing you. He hasn't forgot you. He hasn't left you. He hasn't forget, forsaken you. And he hasn't thrown you aside. He's still within earshot. Amen. Matthew chapter 8, beginning with verse 5. Read with me if you will. And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus said unto him, I will come and heal him. Say God's word. That's pretty effective, isn't it? You know, God doesn't lie. God doesn't joke. He doesn't yank your chain. He doesn't lead you along. The Bible tells us that he's, God is not tempted, neither tempteth he any man. He's not going to lead you along like with a lure and a fit, like a lure and a fish, amen, and then jerk that thing out. Of, out he's not doing that. He's not dangling a carrot. God doesn't do those kind of things. God is clear and he's, he's up front and he's sovereign and he's the authority and he tells you exactly what he's going to do. And when he says he's going to do it, he's going to do it. Can I get an amen? He said, I'll come with you and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that thou shouldst come under my roof, but speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. 
For I'm a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, go, and he goeth. And to another, come, and he cometh. And to my my servant, do this, and he doeth it. And when Jesus heard it, he marveled. This is a man that says, I, I, I know what it is to be in charge. I know what it is to be the authority. I know what it is to be the boss. In fact, when I tell somebody go, they go. And when I tell somebody come, they come. And he said, I know what it is. He's comparing that to the word of Jesus Christ. He said, I recognize you. And I have faith in, in your word that if you say it, it'll be. If you say it won't be, it won't be. If you tell me it will, it will. Just say the word. And in fact, he came to him him with a humility that you don't even I'm not even worthy to have you under my roof I don't deserve to even have you within my fellowship in fact you don't even have to bother coming with me Jesus just say the word and I'll go home and receive amen I'll go home and see what you've done praise God this was a man that counted and depended and understood that God is sovereign that God is in charge that God is the boss that he's never been taken off of his throne that his purpose has never been uh, thwarted amen that any mission that God has set out to do he has accomplished amen any enemy that he has taken on he has defeated anybody that he needs to bring down he can bring down and if he wants to lift them up he'll lift them up amen his word is sovereign and he is the boss and he is in charge and this is a man that recognized the sovereignty of the word regardless of what his situation was Regardless of how bad it was, he said, I recognize if you'll just say it, it'll be. Isn't that awesome? Jesus actually marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and the west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said to the centurion, he said, Go thy way, and as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee and his servant was healed in the self same hour. He truly understood the power of the word of God. I want to encourage you tonight. If God has given you a word, it's still true. If God has shown you a way, it's still the way. If God has led you in a direction, that's still the direction. Can I get an amen? The things that we learn and acquire and are, and are enlightened upon in the word of God and the scriptures that come from this pulpit and from our Sunday school classes and our youth, our youth groups and our hyphen groups and our, our men's and women's and all the fellowships that we do, all of the things that God leads us and guides us and directs us, amen. If we will cling to those things, No matter what takes place in our life, we will be successful. Let me bring you back to Esau. I want to explain some things that happened to Esau. And just give me about, it's 828, just give me two or three more minutes. Esau, I'm going to give you an equation. This is what happens. So I want you, I want you to look at your life while I'm telling you about Esau. Will you please? I want you to examine your life. I want you to use this equation in your life. And I'll describe it just a little bit. This is something God gave me. In fact, if I had my phone, I would show you. I, there's a little note. Tell me has a little notes app on your phone. Anybody, can I get a Wednesday night wave? 
little notes app. Sometimes when, when I get thoughts or the Lord says something to me in a service or if, or if I'm, I'm sitting somewhere, I'll, I'll just, you know, put those couple sentences in the notes and I revisit them. And, and this is what happened to me at 1130 last night. God gave me this equation some time ago about Esau. Esau failed in the field at what he was supposed to be skilled at. Now, how do we apply that? God has called us. He's gifted us. He's anointed us. And sometimes we feel like we failed or we haven't succeeded or we've fallen short or we've been disappointed. Can I get an amen? So because Esau did that, his lack of success, if you will, resulted in hunger, emptiness, and weakness. When we fall short and when we stop following the things that God has asked us to do, we stop pursuing his calling, we stop uh, walking under his anointing, amen, there will be a void. Can I get at least some of the, some of the experience, some of the elders, some of the old warriors will say. There's a void, there's an emptiness there, there becomes a hunger, amen, that we naturally and, and spiritually will try to fill, Amen. So he, because of his lack of success in what he thought that he, or that he was supposed to be good at, he got a hunger and an emptiness and a weakness, amen. That emptiness became a desire for an instant, in-the-moment gratification. Can I get an amen? What does that mean? When there are things that we are called at or that we feel anointed to do and we allow or maybe we, we feel like we've been forgotten or set aside or we've allowed maybe our prayer life to lack or it's been, you know, a couple weeks or three weeks or a month or longer before we've really gotten in his word and explored scriptures or researched something or, or it's been, you know, maybe a couple of months till we told somebody about Jesus or since we told somebody what God has done for us. Let me tell you something. When you stop doing what you have been called to do when you stop doing and exercising the thing that God has given you because we have been endued with power from on high that we might be witnesses right can I get an amen to that so we have a skill that God has given us to love an unlovable world to bring a light to a a dark world amen to bring salvation amen and the gospel and and a gospel of hope amen to a world that is hopeless we have been given a skill to do that amen and when we don't do that we get an emptiness And then when there's an emptiness there, we will fill it with something else, amen. And we will pursue some of life's attractions. We will pursue, amen. Maybe we'll, and I'm not preaching against any of those things. You all know Brother Keith by now. I've been been here since since 2009, you know. But you know what? We We will maybe join the softball league, praise God, instead of coming to church on Wednesday night. Maybe we'll, amen, uh, 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 find something else to do on a Tuesday night instead of being at prayer meeting. Or maybe we'll we'll be... uh, We'll we'll accept the tickets once in a while and go to the ball game anyway. I'm not preaching against any of those kinds of things, but here's what I'm saying. If you've got a calling and you've been gifted and you've been anointed, amen, and you've allowed, uh, amen, just a few hurts or disappointments or discouragements or letdowns to cause you to set that aside, you will not just hover in limbo, amen. You will not just not go anywhere. You're going to find something to fill.
fill it with. And let me give you something. The enemy's also going to come along with his, uh, uh, like the guy with the, 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 the hot watches, amen. And he's going to open the coat and he's going to say, I, you know what, Brother Perryman? You know what, Keith? I got something for you. If you're not going to do that, I got something else for you to do. I got something else for you to get involved in. I got something else for you to believe. I got something else for you to fall into. I got something else for you to end up doing to keep you distracted and keep you out of working for the kingdom of God. Amen. And he will bring an opportunity, amen, for you to fill that emptiness. And too often, and way too often, amen, do we end up, hey man, I, man, I see people, I was telling Grant the other day, I have friends, amen, that, that, that were, were instrumental in me being in church, amen, and instrumental in me, uh, amen, finding, a, a, a being, being uh, brought into this marvelous life. They were instrumental into me hearing the gospel truth. They were, man, I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost right now. They were instrumental in the things that God has done in my life, amen, and I look back now, and I see that they're not serving God, and I see that they're trapped up in false doctrine, and I see that they're tripped up in the world, and I see that they're addicted, amen, and strung out, hallelujah, and filling that gap, and filling that emptiness with something else that the world has offered them, and sold them, and tricked them, and deceived them, amen, hallelujah, I'm here to tell you, don't allow it to lay on the sidelines, amen, grab hold of that thing, and read Realize I can live to fight another day. I can make it to, to get up tomorrow and be with the Lord. Here's what I'm telling you. Come back to his word. Come back to his promise. Come back to what he told you. Come back, hallelujah, to the house of God and the anointing and the umbrella of faith and safety and protection, hallelujah. And you can march on and do it another day. Amen, hallelujah. His desperation, his emptiness, hallelujah, his wanting that uh, instant gratification him deciding well if I'm not going to succeed at that then I'm going to succeed at something else that's a dangerous state of mind because that moment of desperation brought Esau to compromise hallelujah it brought him to compromise it brought him to say you know it's not doing me any good anyway you know all the, I've gone all these years God's been telling me. God's been telling me my family's going to be saved. God's been telling me I'm going to preach. God's been telling me I'm going to win souls. God's been telling me my husband's going to come in. God's been telling me my wife's going to make it. God's been telling me he's going to heal my body. You know, well, you know what? I'm not, I'm not achieving that, so I may as well find something else to do. And your enemy and your adversary will oblige you. Cling to his word. Oh, hallelujah. Get your roots in prayer. Get them down deep. You can't pray too much. The folks that say you're too heavenly minded to be, too, to, to be any earthly good, they're crazy. Show me somebody that can be so earthly minded that they're no good or so heavenly minded that they're no good anymore. You can't go wrong getting your mind on Jesus. You can't go wrong getting down on your knees. You can't go wrong, hallelujah, pulling the shades down and shutting the door and turning off the TV and turning off the Facebook. You can't go wrong, hallelujah, pushing yourself away from the table. You can't go wrong, hallelujah, making sacrifices 
sacrifices and fasting and praying and being in his word. You will not go wrong. You'll only stay, hallelujah, full. You'll only be successful. He told Joshua, if, if I'm going to put you on a path. And if you'll cling to my word and you won't go to the left and you won't go to the right, he said, you will never fail. Never fail. We need to be in his word. Hallelujah. I want to tell you, if you're a Christian, you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you're a leader, amen, in his kingdom. You may not wear a title. You may not have a name. You may not be in the spotlight. You are an ambassador. You are a leader in the kingdom of God. And I'm here to tell you, you may be disappointed once in a while, but you're not going to die. You are not dead. Let's stand to our feet.